today we're going to talk about our five steps to dating in a healthy way after you have been in a toxic or abusive relationship. So the first step is to take your time. Yeah, so by this we mean don't jump straight back into dating new people and take some time for yourself to kind of grieve the past relationship, but also to have a think about how that relationship affected you, how you were potentially showing up in that relationship and what that means about yourself. So maybe that's looking at like your attachment style. Um, so for me, I definitely was more anxiously attached, which is where um, you really tune in to somebody. So you're very much looking to uh, for any signs whatsoever that they're showing you that maybe they're not that interested anymore. So then you become really preoccupied by worrying about those things. So that was something that I needed to go away and work on and heal to think, where is that coming from? And the love that I'm trying to get from other people, what are ways that I can give that to myself? Yeah, I think as well, if you just launch straight back into dating, you're obviously not dealing with any of these issues that did contribute to you ending up in the relationship that you did end up in and then you're far more likely to end up in yet another toxic dynamic you're not you know you're not cutting that um cycle in your life that you're you're just going to keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it mm. um so for me I didn't date for a whole entire year like I did not even think about men at all I was just not interested and I kind of just went really into myself and um yeah, just like try to really work on on myself and start to trust that there was good in the world again, mm. um, which leads us on to the second step. Um, and the second step is that knowledge is power. And there is so much information at your uh, fingertips nowadays, even with just like Instagram, there's so many amazing people you can follow um, to help really like educate yourself about you and the way that your brain works and how you know who you are and what you've experienced kind of um led you to end up in the relationship that you're in so like Lily mentioned something that you could look at is your attachment style so if you do have a more anxious attachment you are more likely to attract someone who <laughs> is um of a more avoidant attachment style yeah um yeah, yeah, those two attachment styles Love are like, each other. <laughs> yeah, they are a great combo in terms of falling for each other and getting attached to each other. But actually, it's really unhealthy. Obviously, some people can make it work. But as an anxious person, you are very much looking for being so connected to that person and almost being one. Whereas someone who's avoidantly attached is very much... Um, scared of intimacy so anytime they feel close to you they will then think oh no no yeah. that's not okay yeah. and probably then ghost you or take steps back which the anxious person is then going to say what's no, wrong yeah, what's wrong yes yeah. exactly so then both of your attachment styles are just like ah. yeah like the avoidance <laughs> like running away and the anxious is running after it's them like, like please, what can I do yeah, yeah. and it just yeah it, 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 I think it can work in some some scenarios but there has to be a lot of work from both sides like yeah. that typically well, I think you wouldn't... need to have the awareness mm. um of that of your attachment style um 
and aware, like, like we always say, awareness is the key to healing something. As soon as you have the awareness of the fact that you have an anxious attachment, you can actually start to work to change it. So if you're going, oh my gosh, I'm anxious, or oh my gosh, I'm avoidant, you can actually do things to mm -hmm. help move towards becoming someone with a more secure attachment style. Yeah, I think also what I'd say is, when I first worked out that I was anxiously attached, I felt really sorry for myself. <laughs> I was like, there's all these people who are securely attached and they're fine. And there's me that's anxiously attached because of what I've been through. And I got really, yeah, I felt sorry for myself and I was frustrated because I wanted, I just wanted to be able to be securely attached and be fine. Um, but obviously that kind of takes work. And also I would like to say, sometimes your attachment style can change in different relationships. Sometimes it can be the relationship you're in that, that can really yeah. change it because of the things, maybe if they've cheated on you, then you might be more likely to develop more of an anxious attachment because you're worrying. Or you could trying to see those signs. Well. Yeah, because you're yeah. just like, I'm not putting up with that. So yeah. I'll distance myself so that I don't yeah. get more hurt. Yeah, I think, you know, we show up in relationships not just as us in the present moment, but with all of our history oh, yeah. from the past. Um, so in terms of attachment style, there's a really good book called Attached that yes. we'll link in the show notes that you could go away and read. I was just going to say on the Attached book, you yeah. can do a quiz. There's a quiz in the actual book, yeah. but I think you can also do them online, which tell you what sort of attachment style you have, mm -hmm. which is really useful because she also gives you tips in the book to go away and um yeah process your attachment style and hopefully change it yeah um that's what i was going to say so you're obviously bringing your whole history um with you to every relationship that you're showing up in so the way that your parents parented you will affect like your attachment style but also your self-esteem and your self-worth so really look at your history mm. um of, of how you were raised those really formative years um, of your life and how those first seven years of your life create your subconscious mind um, and how that will then start to affect your dating life. So if you had a really avoidant parent or your parents were abusive emotionally, physically, in any sort of way at all, then you're going to probably have quite a lot of um, core beliefs that will be manifesting in your adult relationships things like I'm unlovable I'm unworthy of respect um mm. and then because that's what you believe about yourself you will accept that sort of treatment obviously I'm not saying that you need to now go and sit and blame yourself for anything at all like it's all about meeting yourself with compassion but it's just having that awareness that oh maybe I do think like one of my limiting beliefs is that I am unlovable and that I am unworthy that I'm difficult that I'm too much um but I now have the awareness of it mm. so so you can try and change change those thought patterns yeah. to then hopefully not allow them to play yeah. out or if there's scenarios that do trigger you to feel that way yeah you then recognize it rather than saying it's this person who is making me feel unlovable because of what they've done when actually it might just be you're not seeing the person who has hurt you like in this moment you're actually seeing who first originally hurt yeah. you back then um and in terms of knowledge it's not even just knowledge of yourself I would say but also kind of knowledge of red flags and what mm -hmm. a healthy relationship actually is 
So there's the looking inside yourself, but also um, researching about healthy relationships and unhealthy relationships. What are some red flags that you can look out for really early on? Especially because a lot of toxic relationships, abusive relationships can start out with love bombing. So it feels amazing. It's that honeymoon period where you think they give me everything I they want. They treat me, me better than anyone's me the, ever seen yeah, me before. They tr- they yeah, they treat me the best that anyone ever has. Yeah. They've done all of these lovely things. Um, and you can just kind of have those blinkers, blinkers on. So just having the awareness of these are potential red flags that even though something might be feeling great right in this moment, there are things to still look out for. Yeah. Say. yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, like we were saying, when you've got the awareness of all these things, you can start to catch thoughts rather than just letting your mind run away with itself. You mm-hmm. can catch thoughts and question them. Um, so for instance, I was dating someone recently that I really, really liked. Um, Unfortunately, there were red flags and I'm now in a position where I won't ignore them or use good behaviour to justify things that are actually glaring red flags. Um, But my brain is obviously still my brain that has still been conditioned the way that it's been conditioned. And I ended up blocking him. But my mind is still occasionally being like, what if, you know, you're never going to meet anyone like him again? Um maybe you're being overdramatic and you should unblock him. And it's like having the awareness of the fact that you have these thoughts and stopping them and arguing with them. So Mm. what I have been doing for the last couple of weeks since I put that boundary in and I blocked him and I was like, no, this is is not going to end well in any way, shape or form (laughs) um, if I keep entertaining it. when my brain starts to do that I just I have a list written down in my journal but I also can remember it in my mind and I just keep showing those thoughts like that he's done this and this and this and this like yeah he is not who you think he is you've fallen for the potential of who he could be if he did all of this inner work on himself but you can't mess with his karma and change change yeah. his karmic course yeah th- in life. This, this isn't even to do with di- like this is to do with my past relationship that is yeah. one of the ways that I got out of my past relationship mm-hmm. because when when we first broke up, I really questioned, was it the right thing to do? Even though in the moment I was 100% sure, I knew I needed to. Mm-hmm. But it's, the, it's that voice in your head that thinks this is so hard. I don't think it should be this hard if I didn't love the person. So that was one of the things I did. I wrote out a list mm-hmm. of all of the things that, you know, no matter how small they were, just things that weren't right or things that had upset me. And that was one of the things that kept me strong enough not to go back was just yeah. having a list saying, these are all the reasons not to go back. It's not going to change. These are all, all valid. Yeah. Rather than you can easily slip into that rose-tinted glasses of, oh, you know, they used to make Bunny me dinner flowers. sometimes yeah. or whatever. Bunny flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Did that happen for you? I'm not sure that's happened for me. <laughs> Maybe once. Um, having um, the awareness of the fact as well, like you were saying, going back to the list, that your brain likes what it knows. Like, even if the situation is a horrible situation, your brain takes comfort in staying in that same situation. Like, if that situation is abuse, your brain will like, but we know what, your brain will tell you, but we know 
what happens in this abusive situation. It's comfort. Yeah, comfort. The fear of the unknown, basically. Your brain will keep you in the same place because it knows what was happening there. Whereas mm. going somewhere new, it's like going to a new job. You're so nervous, you're so overwhelmed. You don't know what's going to happen. You your your mind expect. goes crazy. Yeah, you don't know what to expect. So some people won't even go for the new job because they'd rather stay in the job that they hate just because it's that comfort of knowing, you know, you know the bad in that situation. Um, so your brain will do everything it can to keep you in a really toxic mm. dynamic because it knows... It knows that situation really, really well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so step number three is to fall in love with yourself again and your life. So some of the things that um, I have started to do to just like fall in love with myself and my life is having like self really like rigid self-care rituals that I stick to and just like, romanticizing my life I buy myself flowers every single week now without fail and you don't even have to spend tons of money on them but it's like you'll spend a fiver on a coffee spend five pounds on flowers every single week like treat yourself the way that you want somebody to treat mm -hmm. you because you've set the standard then like this is how I treat myself and you're either going to match how I treat myself or you're going to top it um or I will not have you have you around mm. Yeah, I definitely think self-care rituals are huge mm. in terms of learning to love yourself more because it, by taking the time out to do things like meditate or do yoga or journal, anything like that that is just for you, that because, because it's time specifically, you're saying this is my time and you know no one can interrupt that or change that, I, I deserve this time. Because mm. you're telling yourself those things, it is you're learning to love yourself more because you're being respectful of your boundaries and your time. So I normally try and the first hour of my day and the last hour of my day don't go on my phone either. So then, although it's hard not to get into conversations with people and continue, it's setting that boundary to say, actually, I deserve this time to unwind and, and relax and take time for myself rather than just always being bombarded by like social media and everything it's just taking that time for yourself yeah and in doing that you are starting to slowly reprogram your subconscious because your mind will start to think well I'm not unlovable because you are now treating me with love you're treating your body with love your brain with love um mm. something I love doing is having something called a ritual bath so I've bought myself my flowers and then when it gets to the point where I'm going to buy myself new flowers, I run a bath, I put oils in it, or whatever I want to put on um, into it. There's loads of different flowers and herbs and stuff you can use that have different healing properties. Um, maybe oat milk, whatever, throw it all in the bath and get in and just like listen to some really calming music. Like I'm in a spa with loads of candles. Mm. Um, and it's just like such a deep connection with yourself because you have that boundary of no one can come in you're on your own no one can message you you're not even distracted by like a podcast or a book you are literally focusing on yourself um, and your body um and then like Karina said as well I then get out of the bath and then I do um a full body massage with oil and it's like completely transformed the way I see my own body now mm. from how I used to see it yeah definitely I also think affirmations are huge mm. in terms of really changing 
changing your mindset because if you recognize that you have core beliefs maybe such as I'm unlovable or you know if, if you don't like the way your body looks it's trying to retrain your brain by saying affirmations like I love my body or even if if you don't love it at first it's it's by repeating those affirmations to yourself eventually it's going to sink in and you're going to have yeah you're going to change those beliefs so you can you can do affirmations in the morning or and normally they say to do it in the morning or at night time when you're sleepy or when you're kind of in a meditative state because that's when they best go in but you can get apps like I've got an app that I think it's called I am and on the app it just randomly sends you affirmations about different things so you can select what you want them to be about and so it's quite good because you don't I I mean I don't remember what times they're set to to come up but you read them and you're just like ah okay yeah I am this (laughs) and it makes you feel good whereas if you're constantly listening to the thoughts in your brain that have been fed to you by society a lot of that is going to be I'm not good enough because there's all these marketing campaigns out there there's you know very slim people yeah there's there's so many things at your fingertips that can make you compare yourself and not feel good enough because at the end of the day that is what marketing tactics are a lot of the time a lot of especially with beauty products and things it's very much like you're not good enough as you are so you need this and then maybe you'll you'll feel better when it's like actually who you are no matter what you do to your body like whether you have exfoliated and done like self like fake tanned or whatever mm-hmm. you're still you're equally as lovable your body's equally as amazing whether you've done those things or not yeah like, just for existing it it helps you breathe every day uh, without women, even thinking can grow humans <laughs> like if you have a womb you can grow a whole a whole person yeah. which is just insane and yet we still as a society are like has she bounced back enough mm. which is just crazy I think as well, especially if you are um, a cishet woman uh, dating, so you are dating men, cishet men. Yes. Um, I think we've really been conditioned since we were so small to get so much of our self-worth and our value from the male gaze that you really have to work so hard Mm. to undo that conditioning. But, you know, having the awareness of it, of the fact that actually... This man doesn't, yeah, yeah. It's it's questioning when you do stuff, like if you're shaving, are you doing that for yourself because it makes yourself feel good? Or are you doing it because that's what like men deem as attractive or not? Also, are you dating because you actually genuinely really, really like this person and you think they're a great human being? Mm. Or are you dating because it's giving you a sense of self-worth that you feel like you can't give yourself Mm. because you feel like they're validating you? I think that's a really good question to ask yourself. Like, am I excited by this person because they're validating me and they're telling me I'm really hot? (laughs) Or am I dating this person because I'm really interested in them and I think they've got great morals and they're really funny and they're kind and loving and compassionate Mm. and like they're adding so much to my life. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of need to give that validation to yourself first and then obviously if someone else gives it to you, it's nice. But that's not the only reason that you're going to like someone. Yeah. Um on this conversation it makes me think of Florence Given yes. a lot like yeah. she talks about the male gaze mm-hmm. she's got a woman um she's got a woman she's got a book <laughs> called women don't owe you pretty yeah. which is all about kind of questioning your own behaviors 
as to whether you're doing it because of the male gaze are you, are you doing these things because you love yourself and having those high standards I, I guess and also not not letting the patriarchy basically rule how you live live your life mm. she talks very much yeah. about how it does yeah. like the patriarchy things... is setting you up to be in a submissive aka ab- abusive yeah. dynamic it's setting you up to be in a toxic dynamic where you aren't always speaking up for yourself or standing yeah. in your power yeah she has some really interesting stats in there as well i can't remember exactly the date but it wasn't that long ago that it was actually still legal to rape your wife it was in the 90s yeah they which that's like when we were born they didn't decriminalize they made it a criminal offense sorry yeah yeah but that's what's so i know wild because you would think that that like, people just have the assumption that oh stuff like that hasn't happened for hundreds of years and it's like it actually wasn't that long ago you could there was i, I can't remember exactly when a hundred years ago maybe like 150 years ago you could punish your wife by making her if she spoke out of turn by making her stand on a street corner with a bit in her mouth mm, it's wild it's i know absolutely wild um i feel like we've gone a bit off topic what was <laughs> Just going into some feminist chat. I know. Um, the other thing in terms of like loving yourself and loving your life and a way to romanticise it is is awareness of just things that you have mm-hmm. that are pretty good in in life and then kind of moving that into gratitude, um, which I feel like I should just add a little disclaimer in here. Like all of this stuff is not easy to do. Like it doesn't instantly no. come easily. Like saying affirmations are so awkward the yeah. first time you do it. Having a ritual bath is so awkward the first time you do it. Like, massaging your whole body, it's so awkward yeah. because you have so much resistance because yeah. you have been so programmed to hate yourself. Mm, and you're like, oh, this is so cringe, I'm so yeah. cringe. But eventually, like, the more you practice it and the more you do it, it becomes easier to say the affirmations. It becomes easier to look at yourself in the mirror with, like, from a place of love. Like, mm. it actually becomes enjoyable to, like, look at yourself yeah. and say, I love you, you're amazing. Um... Yeah. But yeah, gratitude, and then you get to a point with gratitude where you are like, actually, my life. Yeah, I remember the great. first time when I first started doing gratitude, I literally would write the same things every day, and they were just so basic, and I felt nothing. I would say like, I'm grateful for having a roof over my head. I'm grateful for, like, you know, you. But in my, I didn't have the feeling of like, wow, I am so grateful. And like over time, now I'll be like, I'm so like, I love that cup of coffee. Like it is really small thing. Oh, honestly, my some of mine this week have been like, I love fresh air. Yeah, it's been so hot. Yeah, like when I wake up in the morning, I like open all of the windows in the house, let all the fresh air in. I open the back door and I just sit and like sit with the breeze. The mm. morning like slightly cooler breeze, and I'm like, yes, fresh air is great. Yeah, because it's so stuffy and hot at the yeah. moment. And that morning air is, like, nice and cooling. It is really hot. Yeah. <laughs> Although when we release this, who knows whether it could be... When it's England, who knows what sort of weather it'll be. Probably it'll be raining. Probably. <laughs> and then I'll say, Ooh. I love the rain. Yeah, I love the rain. <laughs> like, you can romanticise the rain. People, mm-hmm. like, kiss in the rain mm-hmm. in rom-coms. Yeah, sometimes you genuinely have to be a big cringe bag and, like, imagine you're in a music video. Sometimes, sometimes, like, look out I change, if you change your mindset, sometimes it rains and I'm, like, change my mindset, this is amazing. Like, and then you're, like, actually, this is quite fun, this is nice. Yeah. Having rain fall on you rather than saying, I need to get wherever I need to get to immediately because yeah. it's tipping it down with rain. Yeah. Okay, so, step number four is to get really, really clear 
on your expectations from your partner um, and your vision of who they're going to be um, and what they look like. So I would really recommend um, maybe journaling about it, just sitting down and writing, you know, there's tons of lists on the internet that you can find, but what, what are they going to look like? What are their morals going to be? How are they going to communicate with you? How are they going to treat you? Like, what are your basic mm. boundaries and expectations from that person? Get really, really clear. Um, and then do not compromise, which I think goes against, like, what society tells you to do. But if someone is not communicating with you in a way that you expect to be co- like, to be communicated with like do not sit and 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 compromise with someone who's communicating you with you in a disrespectful way like I think we've been taught to compromise by society and that all relationships take work and we need to compromise but we're actually now compromising on really big fundamental things and expectations that we should Mm. not be compromising on we should not be compromising on the way that someone is communicating with us like if you cannot speak to me with respect if you cannot treat me the way that I want to be treated I'm not going to sit and argue with you for five years about how how you should treat me you know like if that person and it's okay it's okay if that person doesn't communicate the way that you want them to like it's okay to walk away because you're releasing each other to go and find that person that will communicate the way that the other person wants to I would say also like if there's it's not necessarily about compromise, but if you raise something with someone and then they change to, like, mm. they listen, they hear you, and they can change to communicate with yes. you well, yeah. then obviously that's fine. Like, compromise in those sort of scenarios. Yeah. Also, in terms of looks, you might imagine that they're going to be someone who's yeah. got brown hair and blue eyes, but actually you fall for somebody and they're amazing in every other yeah. aspect, but they've got green eyes and blonde hair. There's things that you can compromise on, but not they your such, needs. They're like smaller. Yeah. Smaller the main things. thing is how someone someone makes you feel. Yeah. And how, yeah, that is it, really. <laughs> how they make you feel. And I think not compromising on your actual needs, because I definitely did that. I just constantly was trying to get this relationship to work. Mm. And I was compromising on things that actually, at the end of the day, I need. And, and he couldn't give them to me Mm. and if I had just accepted that I didn't need to compromise my fundamental needs Mm. then I could have walked away a lot easier probably well also I actually I feel like this is probably a bit of a controversial opinion but I actually think it's so much kinder (laughs) it's kinder in the long run to have boundaries and expectations and to just be clear on them. Mm. Because otherwise, you end up in a relationship with someone, you've been with them for six years, you're having the same argument over and over and over and over again about them just not being able to give you what you need. Mm -hmm. And you're just flogging a dead horse. They're stressed because you're upset with them all the time, but they're clearly just not capable of being that person. That's okay. Mm. It is okay. Like, it doesn't mean they're a terrible person. It just means you don't align with each other. Mm. And, like, you are putting a, a, a block up from you meeting the love of your life who is going to meet all of those needs by trying to mould and, man- and basically manipulate someone into becoming who yeah. you need them to be. Like, if they're not that person, you need to just both be able to accept it and walk away yeah I think it is hard when you're in that position especially if you have been in the relationship for like six Mm. years it can be really hard because there's so much love there that 
it and and if neither one of you have done something drastically wrong I think that is really hard to say you know what let's walk away from it because you don't hate the person there's still so much love there but you you just know deep down they can't they can't give you what you need and it's just that is why you want to have them your expectations yes, at the beginning yeah, though, totally. like, and to you, actually stick to them so yeah. you're not like six years down the line with a house and kids or, and kids or whatever. a wedding ring Pardon? <laughs> or a wedding ring or a wedding yeah <laughs> you know yeah definitely yeah I think we're all like so and I mean I, I definitely still feel like it as well where you're just like so desperate to find your person because mm-hmm. we've been so conditioned to believe that we have to find our person oh, and yeah. it's so defining and, in and our life so early on in your life yeah. like I feel like people in their later 20s it's almost like well you should you should have at least found them by now if not be engaged and married or, yeah and, and then but then and, because of that you're comp- you start to yeah, compromise yeah it's exactly. on things you shouldn't compromise on exactly and I think it's hard if a lot of your friends are in relationships like yeah. one of my best friends she she really struggles with the fact that all of her friends are in relationships like have houses or babies with people and she's like why haven't I got someone yet but it's they're coming it's just like we are actually still very young in the grand scheme of life I read something on Instagram that was saying that this person's grandparents had like split up when they were about 50 years old I think Mm. and now they're 70 and they're like back together and they're really in love and I was just like See, like you, you don't, never know you don't the plan. know. You can you find don't know the universe's plan. <laughs> you can find love at yeah. any age, and there's no pressure to find it in your twenties, in your thirties. Like, there's no. It's the same with if you want to achieve something career-wise, or you want to start a business. There's no age that is too late to do that. Like, you can. So many famous people have not written their first book until they're like 50, 60 or something. So it's just remembering that actually what you're comparing yourself to is a load of bullshit Um, that basically everyone's been fed and everyone believes because that's what we've been taught when really there is everyone's plan is totally different on in the world like no one has the same path that they should follow and it's crazy that we would even think that out of the billions of people on the planet that we're all going to find someone in our 20s we're all going to want to find someone and settle down because for a lot of people, actually, would you rather just go traveling and have a good time and enjoy your freedom? Like, there's so many other paths that you can take rather than just focusing yeah. on dating and finding someone. Well, also, you've just, I think in society, we've become so obsessed with how things look to people that we don't sit back and think about how they actually feel to us. Like, maybe you have met the love of your life at 20. And, like, that's amazing and it makes you feel good and you're, like, really happy and you do want to settle down and have kids. But it's, like, as long as you know that that is actually how you feel and and it makes you happy and makes Mm. you feel good, then 100% do that. But, you know, you might be someone, like you said, who who doesn't want to start a bloody nine-to-five office job five days a week from the age of 21. Yeah, Yeah, and they want to go and explore the world. Like, that is valid and, like, that is successful. Mm -hmm. Travelling the world on your own, that's yes. really successful. I would also say, you said 21, but you might not want to go to uni. Yeah. Uni is true. such a thing that people just, it's almost an expectation that you'll go, especially if you're at like quite a high performing school, it's almost not spoken about that you might not yeah. go to uni. And if you aren't going to uni straight after, it's because you're going on a gap year, not because maybe uni just isn't for you. 
And like, I would not, I'm definitely not one of the people who was like, uni was the best time of my life. I would go back. I was so happy to finish. I can't even tell you. My graduation day, was I like, oh my God, I'm so sad. I was like, thank God I I made it. Like you it's done. Hated it. it was so. <laughs> this is the thing. Like it was so bad for your mental well-being. Oh my god, so bad. I had to have so bad for your mental health. I had to have so much help. Like yeah. I had a mentor. I had extra time in exams. Had extra time to like do my work. Yeah. I had so many things. I got a computer. Yeah. I got a computer with like all this software to try and help. And I had yeah, I had so many people. I had a mentor who you I saw every week. Part of it. Yes, I tried. I tried very hard to stay (laughs) and in first year I was like nope halls is not for me this is not a vibe so we packed up my car and just left like I literally didn't tell anyone um and then second year I tried to live at home um live at home I tried to live in a house with people wasn't there very often and in third year I just finally went you know what I'm gonna just stay at home which Mm. is quite controversial in terms of people expect you to stay and live with your friends and have a good time but I I went home and it was the best best decision I made a thousand yeah, I wonder if you'd like had the mentality we had now though if you'd even have gone to uni like would you have found something else that you really yeah. loved and you would have been like so much more happier tra- rather than trying to force what like mum and not even yeah. what mum and dad exactly expected but like what, what society expected and school expected mm, I also just wonder whether would I have enjoyed it more if I didn't have the expectation that it was going to be the best time of my life? Yeah, true. Because I feel like that is what people say, that, like, it's freedom. Whereas I got there and I was like, I had already not been feeling great that summer. And the doctor was like, oh, just go. Like, you know, it could be the making of you. And I was like, what? This is not the making of me. (laughs) Like, I've got to learn to cook. Like, I had so many things I had to do. But also, I I was struggling with an eating disorder. So, it was a lot to deal with. Like, it was like, right now, you've got to cook for yourself. And you've got to be around new people all the time. Like, it was just very overwhelming for someone who is an introvert. Like, very much so. This is now no longer about dating. So, we definitely, definitely need to go back to (laughs) fifth step, I think. We're on the last one. The last Last but not least. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is to have a abundance mindset um, when you are dating. So to explain to anyone who doesn't know what an abundance mindset is. So there is an abundance mindset and there is a scarcity mindset. Now, I would say the majority of society is functioning from a scarcity mindset, literally in all realms of life. Mm-hmm. Um, having a scarcity mindset means that you have a core belief that there is not enough. There's not enough food, there's not enough space, there's not enough money, there's not enough people that you would like to date in the world. Um, Basically, there's just not enough of anything. And when you function from a scarcity mindset, you are constantly panicking about something running out. And in competition, you're like, they've got a boyfriend or, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got this really high flying job and house. That means I can't have it. That is a scarcity mindset. Yeah. And you're constantly working from a, a place of panic. Because you're like, it's gone. It's like when all the loo roll went, <laughs> loo oh roll God, went yes. over COVID. Like, yeah, that was so. Oh random. my God, there's not enough loo roll. We're not just gonna take all of it. And people stuff. take too much of stuff yeah. rather than be well, like, also, my one pot is enough. Yeah. There is enough out there, and it's okay. That was the weirdest part as well because people were like, COVID doesn't affect your bowels. So like, <laughs> why is everyone buying so much loo roll? Like, <laughs> fair enough. If it was like a stomach bug, you'd yeah. be like, okay, you know, you wouldn't want to run out of toilet roll, but it didn't. 
I mean, at least I it wasn't I don't amazing. know why that out of everything was the thing as well. So no, random. I know. But anyway, that is that is like the epitome <laughs> of having a scarcity mindset. Um, I, I mean, our government functions from a place of scarcity mindset. All of the like, no one, you know, everyone being, well, people being really anti-immigration and stuff. That's a real scarcity mindset that there's not enough jobs or space or houses or money mm. or economy or this or that. Um, and when you have that in dating, you are unwilling, less willing to let people go because you think you will never find someone like them again. They are the one, the one person who is as hot as they are and ticks a couple of your yeah. boxes. Even you've said yeah. that recently, like, yeah. about people you've dated. Mm-hmm. You've been like, am I going to find someone as good looking yeah. as them? Yeah. Am I going to find someone as this as them? And it's like, someone can have really amazing qualities and you can have a nice time with them, but they still might not be the one. They might... Yeah. And also, I don't actually believe in the whole the one. I think there's multiple people yeah, that I think you there can are connect multiple. with people. Yeah. yeah. So the person that I was dating like when my mind was going, it's like having that awareness again, when my mind was going into scarcity mindset, when it says things like, oh God, but he is like your ideal looking human. Are you going to find anyone as good looking as him again, who dresses the way you like and Mm. all of that sort of stuff? It's kind of arguing and saying that there's loads of people in the world who who are that good looking, who have that colour eye and that hair colour and dress Mm -hmm. that way and do that job and a creative or whatever it is yeah there's so many people on this planet yeah there are 7.7 <laughs> billion people on the planet yeah. like i guarantee there are multiple people like so loads of people. people that tick all of the boxes that you need yeah, but i'll just... also communicate the way you want don't show any red flags are kind like you exist as a person with all of the things wrapped up in you that someone else mm. needs like there is someone out there who exists multiple people out there who exist that have everything that you need and you have to like really stick to that abundance mindset and that vision because it makes walking away so much easier yeah, just knowing that there's more yeah. out there that, that like it is going to come along it might not come along tomorrow yeah might not come along for six months or a year or five years but it will it will come along yeah and when it and you just have to keep reminding yourself that like when that does come along it's going to be so much more magical than your average relationship mm. or your average like trying to force someone into a mold that they just don't fit um Mm. it's going to be so magical and you just have to like really stick stick to that vision yeah definitely cool do you think have we covered everything i think so we've covered all the five steps so we hope that they were useful yeah we'll put some like really useful um links in the show notes of like books that we've read that we found really helpful Mm -hmm. um and the five steps in a much clearer way because (laughs) we have uh, gone on a few tangents yeah, so tangents. hopefully yeah we'll we'll bullet point the main points of um our advice for dating after a toxic relationship and then we'll also pop the resources so that you can have a read around and uh work on your knowledge because knowledge is power it is. <laughs> okay cool yeah. thank you so much for listening yeah, thank you for listening <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Everyday Goddess. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review or if you have any questions you'd like answering, message us on Instagram or TikTok at Everyday Goddess Podcast. We can't wait to see you all next week. Bye for now, goddesses.